with everything going on in the world right now, it sometimes feels almost self-indulgent to escape into our creativity. I don't want to speak for you all. Maybe you don't feel that way. I, I do. But what else am I going to do? It's my job, after all. I, I tell stories. It's what I do. And I don't have the capacity to do anything to help about the situation that's going on. So why do I feel guilty for taking the time to be creative? Maybe it's because creativity is a great way to get ourselves through darkness to the other side. And the fear inside us is trying to stop us from getting there. Let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. I hope you're doing well. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about creativity and why it's a very good practice, especially when we don't feel like being creative. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. And if the app that you're listening to me on doesn't allow you to rate the episode, maybe uh, share it on your Twitter your or Facebook, or uh, maybe share it on Reddit, or onto a Discord server where people might be interested. Help me get the word out. Okay. So yeah, this is, this is a topic that I've come back to on numerous occasions, because it is a recurring theme in my own creative journey, in my own life where I find myself feeling like what I'm doing doesn't matter. But creativity matters. And whatever you do as your creative output, it is important that you do that, not just for yourself, but for others. And I have in the past spent a lot of time focused on exactly how our creativity and our creative work helps ourselves. I mean, well, helps others. Today, I want to talk about how it helps us. Because whether or not you share your creative output is irrelevant. It really is. As long as we're not talking about baking, you shouldn't eat all the cookies, give the cookies to some friends. But maybe you don't share your poems with other people. Maybe you don't share your paintings or your journal entries with other people. But it's important that you still do them because they're one of the best ways for us to exercise our own demons and to deal with the events of our lives. You see, I've said this on numerous occasions and I'm going to keep saying it until I feel like people get it. We understand and interpret the world through stories. Now, those stories could be as simple as your Instagram story or your Snapchat story or wherever, right? Or it could be this, the actual fiction that you write or the poetry that you write or 
the music you like to sing along to, if that's your creative output, the knitting patterns that you make, they're all ways for us to take that pent up energy and to put it out in a better way, in a better form. There's a wonderful word that doesn't get used as much as it should, and that is sublimation. <clears throat> sublimation is the act the act and the art of beautifying. It's about taking what is there and making the best of it. I mean, really, that's as simple as it is. It's, it's a fancy word. It's a beautiful word. Sublimate. But really, what we're talking about is making it beautiful, making it better, and taking our fear, our anxiety, our worry, our doubts, and turning them into something whether that's an entry in a journal or a story or a poem or a painting or a drawing or what have you, whatever it is, whatever your creative output is, it changes the energies within you. Now, please don't, don't stop. Don't stop listening. I don't care if you believe in spooky, spooky energies or not. I don't care. We're not talking about that. This could just be the thoughts in your head. This could be the life force moving through you, whatever you believe in, do you. But it's true. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we interact with our own feelings, our own emotions, our own lives. And so long as we're actively trying to do it for the better, then we are making motion in that direction. So long as we are actively trying to improve, to beautify, to sublimate those harsher feelings within us. We get to exercise them, to cast them out into the world, to change them, to mold them, to use them as raw energy to make things better. And some do this in amazingly powerful ways. You think about all of the amazing prophets, I'm going to call them that, from Martin Luther King to Gandhi to Nelson Mandela, who turned their anger and their rage into social movements for change and for betterment. They made the world better. They took those dark feelings within them. And instead of letting them lash out in rage or letting them crumble and destroy them from within, they used those fires to hone their wisdom, their compassion, their words into power. They could go out into the universe and make change. And that to this day still inspires people and still makes change. Now, we, you and I, may never ascend to such lofty heights, but it's proof of what I'm talking about, even in the most simple ways, even in the smallest things that you can do. If you are actively working to make yourself better, make yourself feel better, to get those powers out of you, those thoughts out of you, those feelings out of you, exercising them, expelling them, you will be better off. And 
one person saved is everyone saved, and one person lost is everyone lost. Taking the time, the self-care, if that's all that it is, to allow yourself to have those creative moments, to allow yourself to expel those darker feelings, not to dwell on them, not to mire in them, not to ruminate, not to go back to them over and over and over again to ensure that they stay in your mind, but to sublimate them and to make them better. If you want to, this is very self-serving, but if you've ever read my book, Shine Like Thunder, that that's what that book came out of. I was very sick when I wrote that book, and I didn't think that I was going to live that long. And I wrote that book. And you can see all of my fears, all of my cares, all of my worries in that book. Everything. I just poured everything into that story. And that's not why I recovered. It's not why I got better. But it's how I got through all of the things that were going on with me. And I got to the place that I am now where I feel better. Internally, emotionally, I confronted my darkness. I confronted my fears. And I've gotten letters from people saying that those books have helped them do the same. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I'm just trying to give real life examples of how you can use that darkness, those fears that we all have to make things better. Don't be afraid and don't allow yourself to stop yourself because you think it's not important. Because I know for my, in my own instance here, there's nothing I can do. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not rich. So I can't run political ads to change the world. All I can do is be myself and go about my work as best as I can to hopefully, hopefully make people feel better, be better. And hopefully it works because that's all we have is hope. That's all we really have. Most of life is just a struggle between hope and despair and which one you are going to allow to win because neither one deserves to win because there are a lot of reasons to feel despair and there are a lot of reasons to feel hope, but hope empowers while fear destroys and tears us down. So I know what you're thinking, Charlie, how do I do that? That sounds all nice. It sounds flowery. It sounds kind of hippie, but how do I actually do this? And I wish I could give you a formula. I really do. I wish I could give you like a secret ingredient and say, just do this. But, you know, unfortunately, when you're not selling snake oil, <laughs> it, it's not that easy. There, there's no simple solution to this. There's no simple answer to this. You kind of have to find what works for you. You see, for me, a lot of my story ideas, a lot of the stories that I write that people will never see, and even some of the ones that people do, often begin with something that's bothering me. 
something that's annoying me or upsetting me or causing fear or anxiety within me. And I grab it and start playing with it. John, and I don't know if his name is Bonnet or Bonet, he wrote the wonderful book Stealing Fire from the Gods, which I highly recommend that you read. Um, talks about following your fascination, that this is where all creativity comes from, is you find a fascination, something that holds your attention, and you follow after it. And because I'm prone to fear and anxiety and depression, those are kind of the three things that try to have dominance over my life. A lot of my fascinations start there. You know, my own instances of pain, for example, is what inspired my Mask of the Gods books, because I am fascinated by pain and pain management, because it's something that I spend a lot of my time doing. And that fascination led me to construct a setting and a character and a story and a world that really digs into that question and gets it, gets into it. The most important part of the process is that you don't expect answers. This isn't some kind of magic spell that you cast. This isn't some divine oracle that you're going to consult. You have to expect that sometimes the magic works and sometimes the magic doesn't. You may get an answer. You may actually find a solution to your problem. And if so, hallelujah, celebrate, do a little dance and keep moving forward because you'll have a new problem crop up in the not too distant future that you'll need to apply the same process to again. But the actual magic, the actual art that we're talking about here is learning to take those feelings and drill into them. See, I'm a practicing Stoic, and I was drawn to Stoicism because, well, in a lot of ways, it works the way my mind naturally does, and I thought it would be a good path to kind of make the machinery work better. One of the primary practices of Stoicism is preparing yourself for bad news, preparing yourself for disaster, for bad things to happen, kind of pre-buffering yourself for suffering. And so when you're going to make a choice, you should run down every possible bad thing that could happen as a result of that choice and keep going. You don't stop until at some point you're dead. You just keep making it. And sometimes it's just, you know, nothing happens. And then I grow old and I die, but you, you keep going until you're dead. You just follow it. It's worse to worse to worse to worse to worse to worse to worse. And this is an inoculation. It's a way to keep yourself from dwelling on the bad thing. Because when you do this, you, you have to go to ridiculous, ridiculous lengths sometimes to get to the point where you're dead at the end. <laughs> I mean, you, you do. But that's the point of it. The, the, so often our feelings tell us, oh my goodness, this is the worst thing. This is going to be the thing that destroys me. If I do this and the bad thing happens, I will be destroyed. And sometimes like, you know, Hey, I'm going to jump off the Grand Canyon and see if I can fly. Well, you know, you're human and yet probably won't be able to fly. So maybe don't do that. That's probably not a good thing to do. But when you're doing the thought exercise, I'm going to jump off and I'm going to try to fly, but I'm human and I won't fly. So I'll just fall and hurt myself really badly 
and probably die from the injuries. It's a short path to get to dead. And in that you realize, maybe I shouldn't do that. But a lot of times the things that really bother us, the things that really scare us, the things that leave us just paralyzed in fear and inaction, when you realize all the steps that you have to go through to get to dead, those fears become quite ridiculous and they help you get past them. And I know what you're saying, you know, Charlie, with all the illness going around right now, talking about imagining how we could die probably isn't the best thing to do. Well, maybe, maybe not. For me, it, it's helped because while yes, everyone has a percentage chance, that percentage changes a lot based on factors. I'm not over 60. I don't have, to my knowledge, any pre-existing conditions that would hamper recovery. So the lo loops that I have to go through in my own brain to get too dead, I have to run through quite a few and they start becoming more outlandish and less realistic. It's a way to calm your mind. This is a process that we go through when we're telling stories. Because remember, most stories in the Western tradition are based off of conflict. And so every time something happens to our characters, we're supposed to ask, well, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen in this situation? And then we make that thing happen, and we see them try to resolve it. And then we ask ourselves again, what is the worst thing that could happen in this situation? Oh, wow, look at that. It's, it's, it's the same process. It's just separated from ourselves in that we're talking about a character and not who we actually are. And that little distance, that little bit of separation there, that changes a lot. And that really changes how we interact with these feelings. That changes how we interact with these emotions. And in that change, in that distance, in that little bit of distance that we gain, we feel safer asking those questions in facing those fears. Because I'm not the one at risk. The character is the one at risk. And that's the trick to making this work. You see, fiction in so many ways, is an arcane stoic practice to make ourselves feel, and that is a practice that will help us all our lives long, whether you ever share those stories or not. And that's why I recommend it. Because art is facing those fears. Art is facing all of those uncomfortable feelings that we have inside. Our anger, our hate, our disgust. Art isn't just making pretty paintings. There's a place for pretty paintings. And if that's your thing, do it. Just do it. Do it with gusto. I'm not saying that everything has to be dark and scary. Sometimes we get better by focusing on the good things. Whatever works for you. And that's really the problem with not being a snake oil salesman. I can't just give you a one-size-fits-all answer. You're going to have to find what kind of creativity helps you out most. For me, it's the stoic practice, and I do it when I make decisions, and a lot of times I do it, and it ends up with me going, that would be really funny as a story, and then I tell that story, 
Do what works for you. Find what works for you and do it. Hold on to it because the hardest thing in this life is finding things that make us feel better. So explore, find it, and then celebrate that you've got it. Creativity is a cure to many a malady. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please do rate this episode so that it, you know the algorithms know to share it to more people. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Please keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way to help help with everything that I'm doing, like keeping the lights on. Down in the show notes, you'll also find a link to both my Patreon and the voice message system. And I, I already said that. And the listener support. Um, if you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know anybody that you think would like this podcast, please share it. That helps out more than you could possibly know. Getting people to know that the show exists is much harder than anything else that I do. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, I guess that's it. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.